Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Nashville is Alan Wildman. Alan is head of privacy at Stellar Health. Uh, he spoke at our Compliance and Smaller Organizations Conference on the topic of doubt mining, which was really interesting. First, Alan, thank you for taking the time to speak at that conference and for joining us again today. Absolutely, Adam. Appreciate it. Oh, I really appreciate you taking the time. And I I'm, remain intrigued by the concept of doubt mining. Uh, first, can you define what you mean by doubt mining? Absolutely. So as you said, I was talking in that conference at the time, specifically, you know, the discussion underway was talking about trying to manage a project with multiple stakeholders. And what I was trying to get at in that part of the conference was you know, getting people to give feedback about what they're nervous about, what they don't think is going to work when it comes to the project. And typically when a currently accepted expression or adage escapes me in my brain, I'll just make one up on the spot. And I was like, mm, doubt mining, because you're trying to mine for people's doubt. Sounds good enough for me. And I wrote that <laughs> as the headline on that slide. So that's about as much thought went into it. But I think it works. It's succinct. It, it kind of makes sense really in that what I'm what I'm saying is kind of what I just expressed to you. You are searching for any reasons people in the project have doubt about why the way you've just laid something out, why it can happen that way and why it can happen on that schedule, because people don't naturally want to voice that dissent. People don't like to be the person that says, I don't think this is going to work. And so you really have to mine for that. You have to search for it. You have to really pull it out of people, I think, sometimes. But you want that. If they really feel that way, you need to get it out of them. So it takes some more intentional effort, I think, to find that because they won't always just give it. And certainly when it comes to asking people to do things from a client's compliance perspective, there often is a lot of doubt that what you're asking is doable and will fit within their goals. So speaking of goals, what do you think is the overall goal of this effort? Is it to identify risk, control weaknesses, win people over, all of the above, something else? Uh, definitely all of the above. Maybe some other things too. I think the, the primary goal is to maybe identify risks, like you said, and then control them if possible. You know, you want to invite dissent, to invite doubt into the conversation, uh, maybe about the schedule of the plan, the budget, the quality of what we're going to deliver. These things are always at risk to begin with, right? And so if one changes, it affects the other two as well. And probably someone in the group is already aware of one of those things being at risk. Probably it's we can accept that the first time we plan the project, we don't do it perfectly the first time. But again, people are hesitant to say that, especially if they're they're later in the discussion and other people are ready to sign on and say, this is great. We're going to this is going to be amazing. It's an absolute home run. Now the pressure is really on to be the person that says, oh, I don't think so. And so you have to really create safety. You have to really invite someone to say I don't think we're going to hit the mark in this area. Here's why. Or maybe I don't even know why, but I just don't think this is attainable. Let's talk about it because people probably won't step forward with that thought unless you really are intentional about inviting them, I think. Well, and 
once you do get them in that dialogue, it's a great opportunity to either learn that maybe they're right or win them over. And if nothing else, build trust that you're willing to listen. Now, Absolutely. when you go on a mining expedition, um, see, I've created a term too. Um, <laughs> who are the best people to talk to? Oh, I love it. I think naturally any project stakeholders, we're talking about a shared project. So any of the stakeholders makes sense, right? We're going to talk to them first. We're really going to try to mine any of their doubts. Secondarily, any people that have been spoken for in the meeting or they're involved in the plans, but maybe they're not involved in the discussion, we need to talk to them as well. It's very natural in, in some of these meetings where Someone gets a deliverable, maybe it's from my team, and I'm like, oh yeah, uh, you know, April on my team, she'll be great at that. She'll be able to do that for us. And I have now volunteered her to be able to do that. And maybe I've done that appropriately, and maybe I haven't. So we need to, to talk to April, if that's who I'm pushing forward. Whoever is being spoken for in some of these conversations, and see if they have doubts, if they have hesitancies, because they have other deliverables they have other things they are working on that we may be unaware of right and so especially those people that we just assign things to them if they're not represented we got to ask them we got to go on this mining expedition with them as well like you said and it works you know even on one-on-ones i think you know dispense as much as you can i think in a one-on-one -on -one setting kind of with the the good soldier mentality that a lot of people try to attain to you know, there's got to be a better expression, I think. If we're com comparing hardworking people and the only analogy we have is like the crucible of warfare, there's probably something wrong with our working environment. But people kind of come in and think like, I got to be a good soldier. I just say yes, and I give it everything I can. But we, we got to dispense with that, I think, in our one-on-ones especially and invite people to say, it's okay. Do you have doubt about what we're doing? Do you have hesitancy and concerns? It's okay to express them. I want you to. Please do it. I have them as well. Here are mine. Let's talk about it. Well, speaking of how you talk about it, is there a structure to the conversation that you have found works successfully? I think so. There's definitely a structure that works uh, not successfully, and so I just try to do the opposite, right? I think immediately following kind of any establishment of a goal or deliverable, that's the moment to, to mine for any doubt about it. While everyone's thinking about it, how we just described it, how we're going to get there, if we move the conversation, now we talk about two or three other things, it's a little harder to come back to that first goal and be like, oh, yeah, we, we talked about that about 45 minutes ago. Anybody still hung up on that one? Anything? We've moved beyond that, right? That's the moment to talk about it, right when we're addressing And definitely never, ever at the end of the conversation, I think. This cannot be a speak now or forever hold your peace moment um, because for a couple of reasons. At the end of the meeting or the conversation, if, if someone actually takes you up on the offer, and they bring something up, there's no time to really address it, right? We're at the end of the meeting. So, and if they're bringing something up, it's probably important. We put this effort on being intentional. We finally got them to speak out and we've got five minutes to address what they're saying. So you don't leave yourself any time to really make use of what people are bringing forward. And then there's even less chance someone's gonna bring it up at the end of the meeting. The daggers that come out of the eyes of everyone towards people that raise new comments or questions when there's two minutes left in a meeting, 
that alone is enough to suppress people from speaking up <laughs> or out. The pressure of just letting the meeting be over because we all are ready to move on to the next thing. So never at the end. We have to do it as we talk about deliverables and plans. And earlier in the meeting, the better, because then we can actually address what people are bringing up. Yeah, I can definitely see the point about not waiting till the end because, yeah, everybody at that point is thinking about leaving. Now, you gave a great tip for when to ask the questions. Let me ask how to ask them. What's the best way to phrase your questions so you get the answers you need and want and really encourage people to speak freely? Yeah, I think it's just a subtle, different way in asking some of the questions. Um, you know, if I go into a meeting, say I'm leading the meeting, maybe I'm leading the project, I got all these different stakeholders, we lay it out, this is what we're going to do, it's going to be amazing, it's how much it's going to be better for the company. So we're already gassing everyone up for how great this project is. And then I say, is everybody on board? Are you all on track? Are you all going to meet your deliverables? Nobody wants to say no. Nobody wants to, you know, throw water on this big moment that we have going right now. So how can I say that differently? What if I said, do you think we're being too aggressive with our plans? Now that's better, right? Because I'm I'm opening the possibility, hey, we might be too aggressive with some of these things that we're trying to do. It'd be even best, I would say, is just acknowledging where are we being too aggressive with what we've laid out? Now I'm the one saying, we probably are missing the mark somewhere here. This plan is probably not perfect. There's probably flaws. I'm already the first one admitting it. So now you just tell me where it is. Now you're not disagreeing with me. In fact, you're going to agree with me now. You're going to be on board. I've already introduced the fact that there's doubt here. I'm just asking you to tell me where it is. You can speak from your experience and your knowledge now. You can tell me, well, the problem is with the second piece here. And actually, I love what we're doing here, but we'll never do it in three weeks. Whatever it is, I've got to be the one to introduce the concept. This plan may be bad. Tell me where it's bad and let's fix it. Um, and then people, I think, are much more quickly going to to come to the conversation. Maybe you also say, admit your own biases. You know, we establish the plan, and I say, I've been looking at this through a, purely through a compliance lens. I've been looking at this only through a training perspective, whatever it is. So I'm admitting, like, there's probably things I've missed. Please tell me what they are. Com you know, compare that to, I love this plan. We're going to change the world. Are you on board? You know, people are not ready to be that, that lone voice of dissent. So get them to agree with you by being the first to acknowledge, we can do better than this plan, just show me where. It's fascinating, and all I keep thinking is this whole process, what it does is it moves away from the compliance person telling people what to do, but instead making them a part of the process of how you get the organization to do what needs to be done and makes them feel a sense of ownership because you're inviting that discussion, inviting their input and really making them part of the planning, not just part of the execution. Well, Alan, thank you for what's been a fascinating conversation. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.